Are you ready to be stirred and receive an impartation of faith to move forward into all that God has purposed for your life? Welcome to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. I am your host, Elaine Haynes. I will be sharing what the Lord has given me through the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Logos and Rhema words of God. Welcome to Stirring of the Waters. I'm your host, Elaine Haynes. In today's episode 31, From Childhood to Sonship, the Lord's been speaking to me recently about the importance of becoming sons and daughters. If you're born again, you're a child of God. But the Bible is clear there's a difference between being a child and being a son or a daughter of God. So today you're going to learn the difference and the process of becoming a son or daughter. And I pray you'll be stirred and empowered to press in and move forward in your walk with the Lord. So 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord God. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So there's a condition to being a son and daughter, to him being a father to you, which is kind of shocking, but that's how it reads. So John 1, 12 through 13, gives us a little more light on the subject. Jesus said, well, John says, excuse me, about Jesus. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we get power to become a son or daughter of God. We're a child, but we receive power when we're born again. We receive that power to become. It's not automatic. So what is a true son or daughter? If you think about it just in the natural, they resemble their parents, not just physically, but in to be a, someone to say, that they're a chip off the old block. Sometimes that means just the way that they look. But many times you think about someone who follows in their father's footsteps or their mother's footsteps, and they they take on the, the same business. They take on their characteristics. They act like them. They talk like them. They share the same values. So so how does this happen? In in the in the sense in the natural we know how it happens, but um, we want to draw from that into seeing, well, what is it in the spiritual? So in the natural, that's close proximity. You have to spend a lot of time with them. You have honor and respect for them. You want to be like them. God desires that we grow up from being children into the likeness and character of Christ. So I'm going to be breaking down in greater detail the difference between being children and being a son or daughter in a little bit. But first, I need to lay a foundational reality. So please bear with me because I'm going somewhere. So in Romans 8:29, we're told, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there's this foreknowing, there's this predestination to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. So this, I'm going to just touch for a few minutes on foreknow, foreknow and predestination. So Ephesians 1 and 4, according as he, God, has chosen us in him, Christ, before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So these are these, these predestinations, and I'm going to continue with 2 Timothy 1 and 9. God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So there's this foreknowing and there's this predestined to good works in Christ. So now, okay, so we're born again. We're begotten. How? By the word of God. First Peter 1 and 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And then John 1, 1 to 3 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're talking about Jesus here. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And John 14, the Word, God, Jesus, excuse me, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So I want to take note to this. We're begotten by the Word. This is really interesting how the Lord opened this up to me last week as I was studying this. Jesus was begotten of the Father. This is my only begotten Son, He was said, who Jesus was said about. We're begotten of the Word, who is Christ, the Word. Jesus is the Word. I just thought that was really interesting, that Jesus is begotten of the Father, and we're begotten of the Word, or of Him. Okay? So, this is what's important. He is the Word. It's so important to continue in the Word to have Christ formed in us. The Spirit of God works the Word in us to bring us to a place of choosing to obey and be aligned to the Word by the Spirit. In Philippians 2.13, it is God that which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So the Spirit of God is working in you to get you to that place of being willing and to doing His pleasure. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God's word doesn't fail. Hebrews 4 and 12, The word of God is quick, or living, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So there's this word that works in you that separates the soul from the spirit. And I, I have a whole, there was, I think, four or five in a series on that, separating the soul and spirit. But let's go back to this subject today. Or again, Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are in Christ, we're begotten of Christ to be conformed to his image. So what's the difference between being children of God, and sons or daughters of God. Romans 8, 14 and 16 through 19 gives us some of this information. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. 
I'm going to break this down a little bit. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. So there's a lot in that section, okay? Led by the Spirit of God. Spirit bears witness that we're children. As children, we're heirs of God. And we're joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. Now I'm going to break this down a little bit. So, in the Greek, the original language for this scripture, the word sons is huios, and the word children is technon. So I'm going to read two paragraphs verbatim from Vine's complete expository dictionary of Old Testament and New Testament words. The Lord Jesus used huios, the Greek word meaning sons, in a very significant way, as in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So there's one key, peacemakers. And then verses 44 and 45. Love your enemies, pray for them that persecute you, that you may be or become, is in one of the, um, when you look it up in the concordance, it actually means become sons of your Father, which is in heaven. So sons of God. So there's another, love your enemies, pray for them that persecute you. The disciples were to do these things not in order that they might become children of God, but that being children, note your father throughout, so you're a child of God, but by being children, they might make the fact manifest in their character by becoming sons. And then the next paragraph out of the vines is the difference between believers as children of God and as sons of God is brought out in Romans 8, 14 through 21. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And as such, we're his heirs, and we're joint heirs with Christ. So this stresses the fact of our spiritual birth. On the other hand, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So you see there's a difference there. Children of God bears witness that we're children. That's our spiritual birth. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, the, i.e. these and no other. Their conduct gives evidence of the dignity of their relationship and their likeness to his character. Now that's all from the vines. So the term child of God refers to election. Before the cross, Jesus spoke of the disciples as children of their Father God in heaven. Those were appointed to eternal life. Acts 13, 48, the second half, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, whose names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. Those are known as the children of God. It was written beforehand if you're going to believe in Jesus. You still have a choice, but God already knows ahead of time if you're going to choose or not. That's one of those mysteries that we don't really fully comprehend with our natural mind. But there's the reality of what the scriptures say. So again, the key verse here, John 1, 12 to 13, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, or I'll say it, that means character and authority, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So to be a son of God, you believe in Jesus, are born again, and follow so closely to live, to be like him in character and actions, to become sons of God. You're already a Christian because you're born again, activated by the Spirit of God. Your spirit man is now anew again, so you can have that relationship with the Father. Chosen in Christ, 
before the foundation of the world, and you are now given the power or authority to become sons. Romans 8, 13 and 14, again, if you live after the flesh, I'm starting with 13 here, you shall die. But if you live, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So born again children of God have a new spirit. We're now reconnected to God by his Holy Spirit. We can now boldly declare our identity as God's children. We have the ability to understand spiritual truths because we have his spirit. And one function of the spirit is the conscience because we receive conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit in our conscience. So again, now looking back at 8.16, Romans. The Spirit himself, Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So here we see that children of God are heirs of God the Father, but there's an if to being an heir with Christ. Those who are willing to endure suffering. That's the process, suffering in our flesh, to live in the Spirit and be conformed to the image of Christ. What is that? Suffering, laying down our wants, our desires to please ourselves, to have a name for ourselves, and instead to live for Him, for His glory, for His honor, to please Him rather than ourselves. It also indicates that by suffering we partake of His glory by how much we follow and trust Him in this life. Now that's a pretty powerful statement there. So, children of God do not automatically become sons of God when we become Christians. Jesus gives us the right or power to reach this goal, the mark of the prize, of the high calling in Christ Jesus. When we continue to choose to honor and serve Christ, to keep his word, to let our mind be transformed, to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit, our character is formed in his character. The closer we allow ourselves to be conformed to his image, the closer we are to becoming sons of God. It is the highest honor we can receive in this life on earth, but it does not come without trials or sufferings. God's desire is for us to be conformed in character and conduct. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. To be sons, we begin to look like our fathers in how we live and who we become. So how some of this actually, what does some of this look like? So Philippians 2, 12 to 16. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, this is Paul's letter to the Philippians, but also now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. That you may be, excuse me, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. How we need to see that, right? It, this is conditional, though. It says, that you may be the sons of God, do all things without murmurings and disputing. So, you know, we've seen some key things here on, on what are indicators Put it that way. And here's another one, Hebrews 12, 5 through 14. I may not read the whole section. 
You've forgotten the expert exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there who's a father whose father hasn't chastened him? So then it goes on to, in a verse 11, I'm going to skip, you know, 8 through 10. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. We all agree with that. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by. So there's a training that God is doing in his chastening of us. So what is our part? Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. In other words, set your mind, recognize what's happening, and determine within yourself that that part of you, your flesh, that wants to just hang down, that wants to fall back, that wants to fall over, say, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to get that prize. I want to be a son or daughter of God. I want to be that. I want to be like Christ. I want to shine as lights in the world. It says to be sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Because see, I want to see God glorified. I want to see others come to know him. And how can they know him unless they see him? Unless they see that we're different from the world. Otherwise, what's the point? He's, they've got to see that there's hope that we can actually, you can actually have hope in the midst of the darkness, you can actually have a sound mind, that you can actually have peace within yourself. You can actually walk to the beat of a different drummer. You don't have to follow along like lemmings. You don't have to be in bondage. You can actually live in fullness of joy in the midst of all the things that are happening in the world right now. So it continues, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I want to see the Lord, don't you? Well, we have to walk in holiness. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's this place of putting away those things that are childish. That are. It's all about pleasure. It's all about money. It's all about you know things you want. Things you want to have, things you want to be, things you want to do. I'm not saying don't enjoy your life. Don't get me wrong. This is not a religious spirit. But I'll tell you this. there is. I have more joy and satisfaction in serving the Lord and being led by His Spirit than I ever had in the world. And I was given over to the world. I know what it's like to, to run after the pleasures of, this, of the world. I know. I did it. And it's not satisfying. There's never enough. I don't care which path you go in the way of the world. There is never enough. It's addiction and bondage. And you're never satisfied because he is the fount of living water, which will never run dry. And he's the one that satisfies. So let me continue. Ephesians 4, 11, 15, we're told about um, that Jesus gave the fivefold ministry to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Here's the, here's the key part again, which is the indicator. What does it look like if you're a, a, um, a son or daughter of God? That we should no longer be children 
tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So we have sound doctrine when we're sons and daughters. He says, no longer children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. There's always, there's all these different, you know, you have to know the word of God. To have sound doctrine, you have to know the word. You can't just, you have to study it for yourself. You have to be like the Berean, searching out. those things that you hear other people say, look it up for yourself. See if it's true. And I'll tell you, when I look these things up and then I go into the original language of the Holy Spirit will speak something to me that has it applies directly to my life as I'm searching out the scriptures. But when I look it up in the original language, a lot of times there's another nuance to it that opens up in a great way that I never saw before. But anyway, back to the importance of the Word of God to have sound doctrine. Scripture interprets Scripture. You have to know the Word, the context of what is being said, and how it relates to other Scriptures to gain proper understanding and sound doctrine. And walking with God, you learn His ways, which also helps you to rightly divide the Word of Truth. 1 Peter 1, 13-16. 1-12, through 12, Peter talks about the trials of our faith producing genuineness more precious than gold that will be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 13, what do we do then about these, these trials of our faith? So here's our part. Gird up the loins of your mind. I encourage you to listen to the last podcast about having a sound mind. So gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober-minded. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct or behavior because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now, when we talk about the word, the trials of the word, there's this trying of our faith, which is trying of the word in us. Psalm twelve six: the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times and also in psalm 105 19 where it tells us about the trials that joseph went through until the time that his word came to pass the lord's word the word of the lord tested him or tried him so the word is tried in us until it comes to that point of perfection or completion everything in us that isn't in conformance to the word of god will be tried including how we react to trials, developing godly character. You know, we are in the beginning of the restoration of all things. The heavens are warring, and Jesus' enemies will be a footstool at his feet. He is developing an army of sons and daughters to war with him, and we must first war against our flesh and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God to be able to wield the authority in his character for what he's calling us into. The Lord is calling forth his children to become sons and daughters, to know that he is our source. He is our everything. All things are from him and through him and to him. It is time to live fully for him. We're called out of darkness. Be a true son and daughter. Walk in the light. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I'm not saying don't go out into the world. Jesus said, 
we're not of the world, but we're in it. We have to be in it. We have to win souls. We have to speak the truth. We have to be declarers of the truth in these dark times where all these lies are just being thrown everywhere and trying to deceive us to fail is what's going to happen. We're going to fail when we come into the hardest of times that are coming, the trials, the, the um, you know, there's a time, I'm not going to get into all this in Revelation. You should read the word, the book of Revelation where it talks about what's going to, what's coming down. You got to be, have that word inside you. You have to be strong in faith. You have to be a real son or daughter walking in faith and authority. So it's time to train your, let yourself be trained by the word. Let yourself be trained by the Holy Spirit. Lay down those things that hinder your walk. Lay down those those foolish things that you had as a child, the foolish ways of living. These are dire times. We are, we are in the most glorious times, though, because the glory of God is rising in the midst. He has a remnant that is going to bring forth his kingdom. And we know that the kingdom will not be here in fullness until Jesus returns. But there is a measure that he wants. That's why he said to have us pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit ElaineHaines.com, that's A-L-A-N-E-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com, for books, blogs, and spiritual growth. You can follow me on Facebook and subscribe at cpnshows.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you next week for the next episode.